Hello everyone and welcome to another special edition of the Business Exchange, How Business Works, brought to you by the American Business Council, the voice of American business in Nigeria. Now the Business Exchange, as always, is a bi-weekly program where business executives and industry experts share insights on how business works with a deep dive into the stories that may impact different sectors. My name is Margaret O'Lady and I'm your host for the show. Today, the episode will be focusing on localization and the private sector in Nigeria. Now, localization has always been a big area of conversation, especially when it comes to private the private sector, because there's been, you know, the talk of war between, you know, what is should be um, localized and what should be globalized and really localization and globalization always come to the fore when you, we are talking about uh, we're talking about uh, private sector and especially in Nigeria. So we, we also begin to see things around governments, you know, really uh, from nationalistic tendencies wanting to use uh, the localization as a way to um, give credence to the fact that, hey, hey, yeah, we're doing um, the greater writing. But between what government wants and the responsibility of um, private sector, um, I think there should be some kind of a middle cause. So before I just continue, as always, you know, with my plenty talk, um, I'd like to introduce our guest for today. Uh, her name is Mokutima Ajileye. Moki, and I hope I can call her that, is she's the MD of of uh, Procter and Gamble, and you know there, there's. Um, I would say that um, uh, Muki and I actually uh, met over lunch recently, and you know I, I I got to know a lot about you know the great work she's doing as an individual and also as the first female MD of Procter and Gamble, the first Black MD, Nigerian MD of Procter and Gamble. So. Uh, Moki leads the company's business operations and she started her career in manufacturing and the brewing industry, but then moved towards marketing, um, you know, when she joined Procter & Gamble. She has been a business leader for over 18 years, have worked on resolving complex business issues in different continents, um, including Europe and Middle East, aside from, you know, Africa. And also, Mr. Ajilea is on the board of the American Business Council and the Nigeria Jubilee Fellow Program. I'm going to be talking about that project in another episode. But today, we're going to be focusing on, on uh, localization and the private sector. You know, just something else that uh, we share a similar passion. She is very passionate about the education of the girl child and mentoring for the next generation. So it's a great pleasure to have you um, on this call. Thank you so much, Margaret, for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Great, great. Um, so, you know, I always like it when I have, um, you know, our female CEOs, you know, share their thoughts and their their, their perspectives around the different issues. So, um, like I said, and um, you know, before this uh, conversation, um, we we shared some updates on what localization. Uh, is or could be. Uh, I know that the first attempt with a 
to a response that aligns with the localization agenda was when the federal government's design of the presidential humanitarian response plan for the Northeast and the consequent establishment of the uh, presidential uh, committee on Northeast initiative, uh, uh, you know, really began. There were a couple of um thoughts that have gone into localization and different faces that we already have in this area but you know when you look at um the, the issues that we have uh, had in terms of localization and how localization is defined um you know you probably would say they have different strains but i, I would i would just give uh, you the floor to share with us uh, uh you know the, the um some thoughts around examples of localization what does the concept mean to you and how as your organization especially the procter and gamble your organization procter and gamble promoted uh this localized response okay thank you margaret so um i think first i'd like to state that um procter and gamble or png as we like to call ourselves is an organization that believes in being a force for growth in the markets where we operate. So um, being a multinational organization, it means we also benefit from some of the best technologies and practices in the world. So bringing these two realities together results in strong localization projects that would then promote a more effective business operation across the entire value chain. So the, for us, the winning strategy of creating local champions across the value chain promotes technology transfer, builds Nigerian capabilities, uh, which will in turn then increase operational efficiencies, enable synergies of scale, and ultimately would deliver better value um, to all our stakeholders and our partners. So it is a key strategy to P&D's continued success in Nigeria and in different parts of the world where we operate. So I'd like to share um, maybe some examples. Um, so for instance, the one that is very recent is um, the localization of our toothpaste production. So Oral-B uh, is a toothpaste brand. It's been in Nigeria for over 10 years now. And of course, we started by importing it because we, we had to build up the scale. Um, today, we have uh, jointly in a joint partnership uh, with um, a company called Colory, we have invested up to $40 million in the local production of our toothpaste at the Lakey Free Trade Zone in Nigeria. Um, and beyond the production of the toothpaste is the fact that we are also um, doing backward integration in terms of the packaging materials. So um, a lot of the packaging materials are locally sourced as well. So it's not just the conversion in terms of production, but even the input into, into the product. Um, this facility serves our consumers in Nigeria, but our vision is actually to also be able to export across Africa when the FCTA um, goes into effect. And like you had said, there are different uh, strains of localization. So I think beyond manufacturing, which is the very obvious one, we also um, localize our talent, which is um, today we have achieved 100% local employees. And this has been through 30 years of building the capability of Nigerian talent to a point where the business itself is, is run um, by locals. But it has taken us time to get there. 
Um, and this localization also comes through in terms of product development and in the marketing of our brands. Um, about 18 months, two years ago, we launched a product that we call Ariel Ankara. It's a product variant specifically designed for the Nigerian Ankara fabric. So I think for us, it's beyond just manufacturing. We look at the different aspects of our business and see where it makes sense to localize and where we can um, gain um, advantages through localization. And then, of course, we execute it. That, that, that's, that's great. In fact, I, as you were speaking, I was like, well, you're an example of, of uh, localization strategy because I mean, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so <laughs> being the first, uh, you know, Nigerian, Nigerian MD, I mean, this is, this is really a direction, um, or they say step in the right direction as they say, uh, but you also yeah. said, you know, um, obviously that not without, it, it, it took you time to get there. And yeah. we know that, you know, localization or at least localization processes, or the drive towards localization would come with set some level of challenges. Uh, what which, which challenges or what challenges did you um, did the, to the PNG um, see in in the in the in the process of uh, the localization strategy? Hmm. So, um, like every organization <laughs> like in Nigeria, <laughs> I have to pause a bit. You know, um, I know. I, I know. We, we, <laughs> I think we continue to encounter um, systemic challenges around uncertainty um, in the monetary and fiscal environments, which has a direct impact on our localization strategy. So another challenge is really access to raw materials. You know, when I was talking about Oral-B, I mentioned packaging materials, where we've been able to also localize that. But with raw materials, is different because one is, um, are there local suppliers that can deliver the products that we need, the quality that we want, and at the scale. Because sometimes we see some form of local production, but in terms of the requirements for the business, we don't they don't have the scale yet. So these are some of the things that are major barriers to sourcing, to be truly localizing, which is beyond just the conversion, but also completely localizing the raw materials. So I think it's um, having the the capability in the market to be able to do that. But despite this challenge, what we are doing on our part is to partner with the governments or different government actors to build cap um, capacities of local SMEs and hoping that we can achieve scale and integrate them into the global value chain. So an example is what we call the PNG SME Academy that we do in partnership with the Bank of Industry and with the Federal Ministry of, um, of, um, of, of Trade and Investments, because this program focuses on building the skills of local SMEs. Um, and I've, again, like I'd mentioned, honestly, localization would take time because you identify the need, you try to find a local partner, then you start growing their capabilities and then start building the skill. So I think what can help as much as I'm 100% believe in the localization initiative of the government is to also give um, companies and organizations the time that they need to do it uh, properly and do it in a sustainable way. So sometimes we have these um, regulations that maybe overnight, for want of a better word, we need to immediately execute. Um, that doesn't help. So giving time to build the capability, the capacity and scale, depending on whatever aspect of localization would really help. Um, so 
for me, the challenges are just part of doing business um, in a developing country like Nigeria. Um, what we just need is um, a lean forward sometimes from the regulatory bodies in terms of timing so we can properly plan this out. You know, that's that's great. In fact, uh, you just mentioned something that's um, music to the ears, the, the issue of, on the SME uh, Academy, um, you, you know, that you have in, with, uh, in partnership with the uh the bank of industry uh the 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 question is how how many um smes know about this and how are they able to tap into, into this opportunity because you know I, and interestingly I'm, I'm working on a project where we're going to be discussing with um, some young female entrepreneurs and uh, from start to scale and what i notice is that mm. You know this whole idea about knowing even where resources and resources may not even be financial but you know uh, you know resources that can help them scale uh you know are not are not on one radar so so in a sense there's no one-stop shop that gives you that gives you um that overarching outlook that okay mm. yeah if i this is what i need for this, this is what i need for that so it kind of makes even when uh, an organization like yours is trying to support um smes to come up to scale and meet the needs you know from a localization perspective of the of the um uh, raw materials or the materials you need for your for 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 um your, your the products of of png um then it becomes it becomes in itself a, a a key challenge. So I think I think there's a need to amplify, and I, I guess that's the reason why we're having this conversation to amplify some of the great work that companies are doing, um, and you know to make people aware that these are available and they're able to go and find out you know how to tap into this uh, these uh, resources. But also um, it could also be an it could be an opportunity for SMEs. Um, outside of uh, Nigeria, who probably would want to work with local SMEs to build capabilities, you know, in in some of the areas that you um, you would need uh, the the um, support of raw materials and the production of of uh, of of uh, uh, PNG products. So yeah. I I think I think this is uh, great. I just want to move slightly away from you know this and maybe hope to come back uh, you know if okay. i don't get all that buzz that we're running out of time <laughs> it's it, you know is it really it's um the beat around um reporting about the work that you do because uh, there's always this notion that ah multinational companies or maybe u.s companies they, they don't want to um uh, work with backward integration or they're not keen on localization but I uh, you know with uh, the level of work that Procter & Gamble you know has done uh, you know do we have like a, a like a yearly uh, documentation in some way that we share or any platform that shows okay these are some of the localization efforts you know from Procter & Gamble across the continent for instance especially oh. in Nigeria mm. Okay, so I think it's a good question about how do we amplify. I think the 
from a strategy, honestly, P&G, we like to say that we're a company of brands. So most of the time, what you would see in the news or that we really amplify, we amplify our brands and the benefits that they bring to the consumers. So maybe to your point, we need to amplify more what goes behind the scenes before people see the brands. And, these are the, and this is where all the localization efforts come in. Um, what we do is we leverage um, whenever we have meetings and conversations with the different government players, depending on what is relevant, we, we always share the work that we are doing. But do we have a huge platform where we talk about all this? I would say no. We share it as it's relevant. We share it in conversations with governments. We share it in, for instance, interviews or podcasts like this. Um, but what you would see more in the media from, an, from a very deliberate point of view is more about our brands, talking about our brands and innovations that we are bringing to the consumers. We don't double click so much um, to talk about what goes into um, making those brands. So um, that's why I'm quite pleased we are having this conversation this evening, because I think that, yes, um, probably we need to um, leverage more on some of these platforms to share the work um, so that people really recognize um, what's happening, uh, what goes into bringing the brands to the to the homes of different consumers. Um, but typically, um, we don't we don't typically blow our own trumpet, except maybe there is um, a need and there's a conversation to be had. No, no, that's that's. Great. Um, I mean, it's always it's always good for people, or you know, to tell your stories um, for you in a way that uh, uh, makes sense. There's something less uh, in your face about about it, and you know, about doing uh, get like getting other people to see the great works that you do, and you know, yeah. share them. And uh, you know, that has made me think that perhaps we should consider aggregating um, the backward integration and localization work of U.S. companies in Nigeria as, as some kind of a, um, a document when, you know, engaging governments um, and, and, and saying, look, this is what we, we have done that. Because I know there was a specific case, and I'm not sure if I shared that with you, you know, when we met um, earlier uh, this month, um, you know, that uh, wanted to meet with uh, one of the ministers at short notice and and you know i said look you don't walk into meetings you just want to but you you need to be able to 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 show what have you put on the table what are your plans what are the things you need to do in terms of uh you know backward integ integration notwithstanding you know that the world has become cliche yeah global village yes but yeah. you need to be able to say look this is what we have done uh this is what we plan to do in the country from this perspective and they were able to kind of put that on the table and the meeting happened so yeah. um I, I think from a strong advocacy uh or reach out to government it is always very important to um, amplify uh, the works that you know the u.s private sector um brings to the table from the point of view of localization so but uh, you know there are yeah so but there are other uh, projects you know um you know beyond and i see them as some kind of quasi uh localization um because because these are intentional ways of doing good in, in, in a way that's relevant to um to nigeria an example is the children's uh, safe drinking water program that you have that's helped um you know the clean drinking water um to children and families and communities around the world uh, you know we're using the innovative purifier of uh, water packets since 2004. yeah and uh you know how has this been would i say localized in a sense mm -hmm. in in nigeria 
Okay. So the the PNG Children's Safe Drinking Water Program, like you mentioned, started as a non-profit initiative in 2004, and it's still that because we do not sell them. So, so there have been requests from different um, people to commercialize it, but we have chosen not to. So what we do is we use a diverse network. Globally, we have more than 150 partners where we help to provide clean drinking water using these um, purifier water packets. Um, but in Nigeria, we also um, leverage Society for Family Health um, and some other globally recognized NGOs, because for us, it's important that the NGOs are trained on how to actually purify the water. So it's not enough to just go give out this packet. So we make sure that we invest in training them, um, because we know that simply providing clean, drinkable water can reduce the risk of disease and death by about 50%. So um, the power of clean water can keep children healthy so they can attend school, um, which enables economic opportunities and the chance for families to build a better life. So since the program started in 2004, um, PNG with our partners, we've provided more than 800 million liters of clean water wow. in Nigeria. Wow. Yes. Uh, and we continue to do, like it, it, it keeps running. So for instance, now with the flooding that has happened in Nigeria over October, we are working with the agencies as well to, to reach out to those affected areas and provide clean water. Um, so, uh, you know, when I started talking, I said that from a localization point of view, we, believe, we, we pride ourselves in being a force for growth wherever we are. On this one, we call it force for good. So it's um, beyond the business. It's also making sure that our impact uh, it's felt in the communities in which we, we live and work. So this is something that is very close to our hearts. And uh, like I mentioned, education, one other thing that is localized as well is this whole conversation around period poverty. I don't know if it's something that they're very familiar with. And it's really the fact that so many girls miss schools simply because they don't have access to menstrual hygiene products. And um, in Nigeria, according to UNICEF, 50% of the menstruating girls in Nigeria actually don't have access to 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 um, sanitary products. So it's it's the the statistics are very mind boggling, and here we say okay we can play a part. So beyond selling our always um, part, what we also do is to we have a program that we call always keeping girls in school. So it's a play on words with our always brand, but of course that's the intent. <laughs> I like yes. that. Absolutely. <laughs> but our intent is really to keep girls in schools because when we talk about gender inclusion, it starts with education. If the, the girls need to have equal opportunities in terms of education with the boys in order to even have um, equal opportunity from an economic point of view. So what we do is that we invest in training the girls and the counselors in the schools on menstrual health management. We try to, and this education is to remove the stigmatization around menstrual health, believe it or not, we still have it till today. So to remove the stigmatization and tell people it's normal, it's a healthy part of development. But beyond the education, we also provide um, these sanitary pads to girls in urban and, so sorry, in peri-urban and rural areas of Nigeria, which usually donate one year supply so that they can commit to the to education and commit to their futures. Um, so we've reached about 500,000 girls to date with this initiative, and it's something that we do annually. So every every year we select different states in the country, um, in, in, and then we work with our partners to make sure that we reach them um, with this initiative.
I mean, this is really great. And, you know, like I always say, it is important that um, we're able to um, aggregate all this work and, you know, share them. Uh, why am I saying this? Uh, the more we do this work, the more we see a lot more localization projects on the, you know, uh, initiatives from government. You know, a, a typical example is a, is a, is a recent um, uh, directive from the Advertising Regulatory Council of Nigeria, you know, saying that, you know, you must use a local artist, you must use uh, local voiceover, you must um, produce uh, your um, your advert in the country. So I, I, I believe that uh, you know, being that these, these organizations or these regulatory agencies would be a lot more open to conversations when they know that, oh, okay, there's a lot of effort being done in this area. Uh, perhaps yeah. we should even give some kind of moratorium. Perhaps we should be a bit more open in terms of collaborating. And I think that's where we, you know, as the as the American Business Council, would really look forward to because recently we had uh, that engagement with the the the, the regulatory can, uh, organization uh, to see how we can drive further conversations with them based really on on uh, what I will call a report card of. <laughs> localization uh you know so you know that we be able to say okay fine let's if we've done all this and spent money in this area is this this one that we were not able to do uh, within this uh, period of time that you'd give us you know so uh, i think that's the beauty of um engagement and 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 uh, you know advocacy with government so uh, mm -hmm. you know again it looks like we, we just uh, we said like a few minutes ago. This has been a very engaging conversation, but uh, but I can see that we have very a few more minutes to uh, end this. You know, so um, just just a very quick one. I would like you to give us a sense of what the future of localization looks like for private sector in Nigeria, and three things uh, companies must know before branching out into the Nigerian market. Based on you know this, I see. I think that they are interlinked. I think again um, to your point, when we hear the word localization, it sounds like some one big, you know, something very big and insurmountable. No, I think it's really about when you come into a a place and it's it's part of doing business. You ask, okay, how can I be more relevant to the consumers, to the government, to the people, to my different stakeholders? I think that's really the intent behind the whole conversation around localization. So with that in mind, I think there are a couple of things that companies should know when they're venturing to Nigerian markets. Um, one is what everybody knows and what attracts everyone is the fact that, oh, Nigeria has a huge and growing population that, oh, by 2050 will be 500 million, et cetera. That would always attract people. But what is important is as you are coming into Nigeria, you must have a strategy that ensures that your products are affordable and available to the consumers at the bottom of the pyramid. Especially if you are going to produce locally, you would need the scale, you will need to fill your lines. So this is extremely important. As much as the population is very attractive, you need to be able to say, okay, can I meet their needs in a way that is sustainable? 
The second thing that, again, is public knowledge is the very young and growing Nigerian population as well. So very young. What does this mean? We have an abundance of human resources. But the implication of that is that when companies come in, they need to invest in capability building and talent development. And, um, and at the beginning, of course, you would come in with expatriates to train them, etc. But have a glide path to when you would then increase, for want of a better word, the local content, even from um, an employee or an employee's profile point of view, especially in this era of digital transformation and globalization. Organizations need to really rethink their strategies when preparing for the future. This generation deserves flexibility and mobility, um, so the need to design a talent value proposition that would appeal um, to their needs, to their wants, to their motivations in order to, in order for their, your investment in their capability to pay out because it's an investment that needs to pay out over time. I think the third thing that is super important is understanding the local business ecosystem. And what can help here is identifying the right partners, whether it's in terms of suppliers, whether in terms of partners in manufacturing, depending on your business model, or partners in terms of distribution. It needs to be people that understand the Nigeria business terrain, understand the regulations, have built a local network of allies as well. And it's extremely important to have a strong governance structure in Nigeria. I know you asked for three, I gave four. <laughs> the fourth one is really having a strong governance structure and um, to make sure that your to make sure that your business is here for the long haul. Um, that is, that so is I think a plus, you know, in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think those are the things that um, companies need to think about when they are coming into Nigeria. No, no, that's that's fantastic. And you know, obviously, I I, I always advise and tell people, you know, when they when they reach out to me and say, oh, you know, how is it, you know, to do business? I'll, I'll tell them, look, you can make a lot of business and expand in a country with a population like that we have. The, uh, the largest and you know um, country with the largest GDP and you know a lot of opportunities exist but there are challenges I do not pretend that they do not um, that there are no challenges so um, yeah so so that's those are the the realities um, yeah so but but then I would tell them just like every other thing you have to be super ready and 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 all yeah. you know I, we we're kind of clearly running out of time and but this was really great speaking with you uh Moki uh, Mrs Ajilaye um you know so uh we we commend all the great work that you've done and uh we 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 look forward obviously to a lot more collaboration into 2023 in these areas that we've uh, talked about and uh unfortunately we have come to the end of the show and I would like to thank you again for appearing or being on today's um, episode. I would like our viewers to follow us on the Business Exchange, Sound, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And on social media, follow us at abcouncil underscore ng on Twitter and Instagram and American Business Council Nigeria on LinkedIn. Make sure you join the conversation and use the hashtag, hashtag the ABC Business Exchange. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening. 